welcome. This is In Bed With Too Many Pillows. I'm Matilda Primrose Ingram and this is our brand new podcast series. Uh, in this series, we'll be getting into bed with various different guests to chat about nonsense, politics and whatever they want to talk to us about from the comfort of their beds. Um, this is the first episode of the series and we're talking about women and power. It was recorded in response to the Women's March that we went on on the 21st of January 2018. Um, the podcast talks about things like the Me Too movement, um, modern feminism and other feministy stuff like that. Uh, in the episode, we've got uh, Charlie Hughes, who is a drama and theatre student at University of Chichester and a founding member of Too Many Pillows Theatre Company. Um, also, we've got Ashley Bedwell, who is co-artistic director of Too Many Pillows and me, artistic director of Too Many Pillows, Matilda Primrose Ingram. So it's a, it's a lot of fun. Uh hope you enjoy it. So yeah, get into bed with us. We've started. <laughs> this is the beginning. Uh, in bed with too many pillows. Nice. So. Women. <laughs> I'm so feminist, I can just say woman on a podcast and that that's essentially all we need to do. Correct. So, you're putting my intelligent glasses on. Okay. So, do we want to start by talking about um, the Women's March and things like that? Yeah, let's talk about the Women's March. Yeah. So, the Women's March was at the weekend when we recorded this. Mm. Um, but so, that was six weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> by the time this goes out. <laughs> Through the magic of media. <laughs> So um, we went to the Time's Up uh, march, which was essentially a rally, um, and that was opposite Downing Street, and we heard some fucking incredible women talking about lots of different things on Mm -hmm. the sort of centenary year of women getting the vote. Some women getting... Some women, yeah, that's true. Any women over 30... Of which none of us are. So, so we're still... <laughs> <laughs> Not yet. Um, some closer than others. Thank you. <laughs> oh. Yeah, so that was really cool. And it's kind of spurred us on to the topic of of this week's podcast. And as like an all-girl theatre company, um, it felt natural for us to... Be a bit, be a bit feministy, but this mm. isn't going to be the only podcast that's going to get feminist. So that might disappoint some people. Other people, it'll be great. <laughs> I think if anyone's disappointed by a feminist podcast, then they should check their own <laughs> masculinity. <laughs> oh, you check themselves. Although, uh, can I just say, not all feminists are women. True. Um, and some and some anti feminists oh, are women. Oh, women. <laughs> so it's not about checking their masculinity. No, let's let's call that so. out now. True. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah. So um what else? 
What about like, how does everyone feel about the Me Too Times Up movement in general? I, I don't know how I feel about all these people that have just jumped on the bandwagon that it becomes a fashion statement rather. I mean, quite literally, it became a fashion statement when they all wore black. Well, they've also already got the t-shirts out, mm. yeah, which is interesting. Yeah, because when a, when a movement like this becomes a hashtag or something like that, it becomes a, 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 almost a fashion statement rather than a political statement. And people that have been have made questionable choices about who they associate associate themselves <laughs> with and stuff have already. Uh, have have come out in this Me Too campaign, and you just have to think the genuineness of everybody in the, this kind of movement, and I do question it sometimes. But then at the same time, the the eighty percent of the people or the ninety percent of the people that are part of the campaign that are genuine, you can't discredit them just because of the few. Yeah, I was going to say because of obviously we've heard about uh, Jermaine Greer coming out and quite harshly criticising the campaign as well, uh, describing it as widely said, which I find, as much as I agree with what you're saying, I find that to be a harsh statement to make because at the end of the day, whether it's turned into this or not, I think the intentions started off. I think it's a fantastic idea, but like you said, it's questionable. questionable. The intentions of all the people. I know. I'm stumbling. Wait, we want to support. Look, we're all in bed together. I'm saying we're all stumbling over the same word. My thing with me too is I think it's really important. um, But I understand where you're coming from when you say, like, it's kind of weird. Because I think as soon as it becomes a fashion statement, does it lose some of its impact? Because, yeah, it makes it more mainstream and it make, it makes people, like, draw more attention to it. But, like, then it becomes, like, a fashion statement rather than a movement. My most uncomfortable thing is, and this is a little bit controversial, is the Time magazine. Well, yeah, I mean, the fact that Donald Trump was second, so quite literally Donald Trump was behind a load of women that have come out for sexual harassment, quite literally makes me uncomfortable. The fact that they'd even consider him on the same list, let alone the he was just behind them, that makes me incredibly uncomfortable. Because it's like situating the problem right next to the problem. Yeah. No, situating the solution right next to the problem, when as much as we can fight, we will never be safe or equal in a world where Donald Trump is in the position he is. It doesn't matter how hard we fight, Donald Trump... Just him being allowed to be in the White House defies our will and safety. Yeah. <laughs> Which is sad. Yeah. But doesn't mean we're going to stop fighting. No. 100 years marching, still marching. That's it. Um, I really enjoyed, and I, I feel like, it, I feel kind of bad for enjoying it, but you know the Natalie Portman moment? Oh, yes. At the, yeah. I really oh enjoyed that, because the shot, I don't know who, who was How co- fantastic was it? Was, oh, my God. I can't remember who it was. Who cares? <laughs> just a man. <laughs> yeah, just a man. <laughs> um, but when Natalie Portman went, all, the all-male, all-male nominations, yeah. and I was just like, 
I find it really interesting when you say that to a man, though, because not all men, but most of the men that I've mentioned it to, they're like, well, what if they're all just the best directors? And I'm like, you can't, tru- you can't truly believe that all the best films mm. in that year were directed by men. Even if it was the fact they were the best directors, does that not that- say something about the opportunities being given to women. Absolutely. It's an That's inclusivity was... problem rather than saying, oh, well, you know, that it is the people who get the opportunities to get those massive um, budget films mm. and things behind them are very rarely uh, women. It's just, a, it's a reality. Um, it's not really a case of, like, who's nominated. The, like, problem starts before that, surely. Mm. Yeah. Absolutely. It's where does the problem start? Is it all the way back? Even when you're really young and your boys are given more opportunities and more, they're given more drive than they are little girls. Do you know what I mean? Like, boys are told out to go, go to go out and play and stuff and little girls aren't. At least when I was a kid, probably not Yeah, that. absolutely. I've got two little cousins, Lenny and Layla, brother and sisters. And, uh, I mean, for Christmas, Lenny got a whole collection of toy cars and Layla got her own little kitchen yeah see those little kitchens make me very uncomfortable I know I go over to her house open the cupboard of her own little kitchen what's stashed in there Lenny's cars yeah because she don't like it she wants to play with the cars and this is this is I mean I think it's a real problem it's like you say from an early age I think things like this need to be nipped in the bud and people need to be allowed to be who they are, like what they like, in an ungendered way. Yeah. Um, and I think that's the root as to where it all begins. And then, obviously, going on from that is when we get to the point where all the directors nominated are male, because yeah. all the all the males, all these males growing up have been made to believe that they can or are, and are capable of being capable directors, whereas girls aren't as much. I was really, it's, a, it's a problem. Yeah, I was really lucky when I was a kid because um, I, I kind of had everything. <laughs> Not like that, but like I had a doll's house and I had a kitchen. And, but I also had a massive collection of wooden train track, which was what I played with the most. I loved Thomas' Tank Engine more than anything. Um, and I think the, the fact that I was allowed to enjoy it and never told that it was not for girls was one of the reasons probably like looking back if, to find out the way I am why I am the way I am now it's probably the main reason because I was never treated differently to my brother if anything my brother was treated more in the like he was more mummied than me so he, he was he's quite ultra feminine um and I'm n- not but that's because I was the older one and I was kind of I had to have the stiff upper lip, and I actually am grateful for that. And it's interesting for me because I come from—we're literally referred to as the coven. We're a female-dominated, um, basically a ma- matriarchy um, within my family. Um, on one side, and it is—we've got you know four sisters, which my mum is one of, and then I'm one of two girls. Um, and it's. We're sort of, it's more open in that regard because I haven't got any alternative really to refer to mm. um, because the boys in my family, one's 11 years older and the other's sort of, you know, 10 years younger. So that we're never held against a sort of comparison um, to that extent. 
What I find really weird is when, um, it's kind of shifting a bit, but uh, it's talking about like when they try to make uh, women more of a prominent thing. So I'm thinking of like um, Celebrity Big Brother yeah. this year. And I find it very interesting that with that and the female Doctor Who and there's talk of doing the female James Bond, like mm -hmm. how we resolve um, the issues of women almost being treated as a minority mm. when we're half of the world's population, essentially, mm. is that it becomes almost gimmicky. The road to inclusivity, I feel, is almost a gimmick within that. See, I think they should, as to, to be truly equal, have some of these stereotypically female roles played by men. That, like, why... Why is it like Nanny McPhee or Mary Poppins? Like this kind of character is always female, and I think what if they just make like what if we had a Mary Poppins where Mary Poppins wasn't yeah was a, was a man absolutely and flip the role around. I, I would, think I'd really enjoy that. Not just because I love Mary Poppins, which I absolutely do, but I would definitely like to see a man. So singing the sugar. It's I mean, obviously it's true that there's a problem in the fact that opportunities like big job roles aren't as available for women and that's not right. They should be, we're just as capable. However, like you say, on the on the flip side as well, I think it needs to go both ways. Like mm. men can be stay at home dads, men can be nannies. Mm. If they want to be, that's cool. Like it needs to I think this it uh, it's more of kind of like a gender neutralisation I think that needs to occur more that needs to start happening because I think the fact that the pure fact that certain jobs or even personality traits are considered male or female is how we get to the point of a pay gap. I mean have you and seen the the um I can't remember what shitty newspaper it was in this week, but it was a job advert um and specifically it said must be able to handle male banter. Um, so, so our ability, our apparent ability to deal with male banter is in line with our qualifications and skill sets, according to this job advert, which I just find ridiculous. That's almost on the back of, you know, when people, like, the, the people that have turned around after Me Too and have said, so we can't even flirt anymore. Oh, it's like, if right. you, if you are struggling... Um, to see the distinction between flirting and harassment, then no, you shouldn't be flirting because no. you, that is not how flirting works, in my opinion. Um, I listened to a <laughs> podcast the other day where this woman was talking about, um, I've done it lots of times, um, the idea of someone uh, making a pass at you and you feel so yes. uncomfortable that you have to pretend you've got a boyfriend. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And yes. and that a man has more respect for a non-existent man. other man than they do yeah. um, for you just saying no. And it's true because up until that point that it's sort of <laughs> competing and sort of, I find that very uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah. I've always found the fact. I've always found the fact that if I say no, that's not good enough. I have to say, "Oh, I have a boyfriend," and then they're like, "Oh, well, well I respect that other man's wishes." Yeah. But the fact that you say no, 
is irrelevant. I feel uncomfortable with the fact that I I apologised. Yeah. I feel yeah, I have to yeah. say I'm sorry. I know. I'm sorry, but I'm not interested. Yeah. I'm sorry, but I've got a boyfriend. At what point is it okay to just turn around and go, no, this isn't what I want, and that's within my right? That does, you're made to think that you can't do that. Yeah, there is this pressure to perform as women in a, in a way that suits the norm, and when you don't follow that norm, you do for yourself apologise. Yeah. Like, I do it all the time. I'm quite, I've got quite a high self-esteem. I, I think I'm great, but I always <laughs> like, oh, I'm sorry I look like shit today. Why am I apologising that I look like shit? Like, I'm aware I look like shit, but why am I apologising for it? I don't also, owe anybody anything. It's also, it's like we're made to feel that we need to speak in a way that's going to upset the man the least. Yeah, yeah. Do you that know is what? it. We need to protect their ego, to, even absolutely. in spite of feeling uncomfortable. Because I'm not talking about someone asking if you... I, I think we all aren't talking about someone just going, oh, can I get you a drink? No, no, no. no, 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 no. It's, it's the uncomfortableness, and you have to go... Oh, I'm sorry, but you know, it's not. Yeah. You know, I've got a boyfriend. It's it's my problem, not yours. Yeah. And actually, there needs to be. You need like a thing to just be like, that's no. You just be yeah. able to say no, especially when it's you know. I mean, we must. I don't know about you. I can't speak for you, but or when you're out and you have a random man think it's okay to just come and touch your ass yeah or just yeah. come and get in your face and that's okay but i have to say sorry now for not wanting it to go the way you want it to go and it's, it's terrible just, it's because unfair. i know when i first moved to london like years ago um i couldn't say no because i i i'd grown up in an atmosphere where i was quite sheltered um and it's sort of a quite quiet place that i i'm from originally and i'd be I had people, and I would just not say no. They'd ask me for my number, and I'd give it to them on their Facebook, and I couldn't refuse a date, which is really unhealthy. And these were quite nice suggestions, and I I do worry um, that atmosphere Mm. that girls are sort of brought up with sometimes. It makes you feel... I mean, I think it's a worry for girls growing up, absolutely, but I also think that it's very unhealthy for young boys. Yeah. Because, I mean, I've got lots of friends who aren't, like, male friends who wouldn't dream of of making a woman feel uncomfortable in that way. However, if I maybe didn't know them and saw them out at a club, I'd be avoiding them like the plague because you just don't know. You don't know who's going to treat you in that way and who's not. And I think for a young a young boy to, to see that growing up and for that culture to be introduced to them as soon as they get to a certain age is is extremely unhealthy because that then becomes the norm and that's what needs to be avoided i feel like that that sort of idea that sort of root of misogyny and sexism comes hand in hand with um toxic masculinity like Mm. i feel like they've sort of created and reinforced the problem for one another there's a better awareness of it growing but I sort of dread to think the time scale on which these things will become at the right point in an education system for kids. Mm. Because to me, that's a problem that starts in I your mean, teens and your childhood. I remember, I remember um, at some point in my middle school, um, so 
between years four and seven, because I went to a weird school system, so I had a middle school. <laughs> no one, everyone gets confused. I'm not American. I just had a middle school. Um, and it was when they did, they they started doing sex education, um, and the boys are taken into one room, and the girls, and the girls are taken into another. Yeah. Why shouldn't <coughs> teenage boys learn about periods? It might yeah. not directly affect them, but it's a human function, and the fact that they used to miss that kind mm. of education. Like, I'm not surprised they get... Like, I'm not surprised that men struggle yeah. with certain things because they don't learn about fannies. Like, they need to learn <laughs> about fannies. Because on some level, everyone's going to interact with a with, uh, at some point. With a vagina at some point. Even, you know, because it just doesn't make sense. And we're quite no. lucky because we're all on, you know, theatre, acting, performing arts type courses. So we're around um, people who are a lot more open, mm. I think, and a little bit more aware. Um, but that is not going to be true of everyone. But yeah. ev- I, it, it doesn't make sense. And and the same goes the other way around. I you know I feel like I'd have been uh, better off hearing what they were telling the boys in the other yeah. classroom. I I saw a fantastic show at Fringe last year um, called Pussy Play. And um, you're essentially, you made a vagina, and then you're shown how to pleasure a woman. But that's essentially the show. And how many men were cut, like, it fascinated me how many men were coming out. Like, I never knew, like, that you could even do that. And I was like, <laughs> I found it fascinating. And some of these men were their bravados. They were like, I've seen so many fannies, and I still did. And I was like, that's because they just go straight in. They have one prerogative and that's it and it's just that never take the time to appreciate the vagina and I think they should from but it's not a scary place I mean it's not a scary place to be in I don't know where I'm going I think this. the thing is you know what what got, I know what you're saying because once you've got past a certain point in your life I don't think anyone's going to turn around and go oh I don't know anything about... Oh, I've been sort of pretending my knowledge basis is stronger than it is. Mm. But it's just... It's not just about the vagina for me. There's a lot more that goes into, like, understanding one another. And I think that's that's, that's sort of literal segregation. Yeah. Mm. One lesson that's so about bodies and humanity within itself just doesn't make any sense to me. Mm-mm. I mean, I'm not being funny. I mean, we're talking about sex education, separation, and that. But what about PE? Like, I always remember I being separated, separated from PE. Yeah, and yeah. girls would go and do netball while boys played rugby. Yeah. And I would like girls would play tag rugby because it's less aggressive. And I just always remember being like, but I want to do that. No, no, yeah. no, you can't. Girls do this instead. I think just in general, the separate, the literal separation of boys and girls whilst growing up in different situations. It's just an absolute nonsense. Going completely back to your original point about um, Celebrity Big Brother this year with the the women that have been um, put into the house for three whole days um, for Year of the Woman on their own until the men were finally put in there, as was necessary, of course. Um, Slight tone of sarcasm. But... It's interesting listening to their conversations because they've they've obviously specific they've obviously chosen to put in controversial women, um, which on one hand I think is 
fantastic, but at the same time, I hope they didn't do it with the intentions of make of making it a witch hunt, because obviously some of the views that Anne Widdicombe has are yeah obviously controversial. Like it's it's not like she sides with any kind of majority, even though we are in a conservative <laughs> conservative government right now. Uh, I really enjoy that you just did quotation marks (laughs) that no one's going to enjoy but um, just so everyone knows Ashley did some really nice uh, air quotes there Um, (laughs) yeah I mean mean, she's obviously a controversial figure uh, and some of the things she said on Celebrity Big Brother have been controversial she thinks that everyone should be educated in a single sex school and she thinks that that men and women being together in a school is too distracting and, and curbs education and I just, I find that whole principle like the, the the idea that you could even like insinuate that two genders being together in the same space means that you now cannot learn I mean, how can you, how can you even physically learn about humanity when half of humanity okay, is in so a school down the, the road yeah, yeah. Like, it's absolute nonsense. Also, the implication of how she said it was that girls are going to get distracted looking at the boys. And I feel like that in itself is very problematic because I think that is a completely two-way street. And obviously, sexuality, that's not a guarantee. No. Because of, you know... Did any of you see the episode where they uh, put the pain receptors on the men to give them as if they were giving birth? Yeah, no, I, I didn't that. see yeah. that. Yeah, so they put these pain receptors on their like their stomachs and they gave them electric shocks as if like to the extent of like childbirth, the pain of childbirth. Um and and like every, all the girls were laughing because they thought it was hilarious that like, haha, you have to experience what <laughs> we experience. And Anne Whittaker hated it mm-hmm. because she hated the idea of putting another human in pain for entertainment. I mean, what was she doing in a conservative government? <laughs> <laughs> but I just found that really interesting. She's very interesting in of herself because she, she, the thing she finds uncomfortable, because they talked about, um, slightly off topic, but she talked about people pooing themselves, and she went, and the whole thing was they had to talk about what yeah. someone had done. Um, and she said, that's too much information. And I just think, gosh... That's such a strange, almost archaic view of, you know, to be on a reality television program, Mm. to be uncomfortable with that. Mm. Some of the stuff I get. I I find her very interesting woman, in in the sense that, um, although I personally do not agree with her views, she's not afraid to bloody say them. No, not at all. But I wish there was a part of her that was just slightly more open to listening to other, because... Um, Shane, yeah, who's in there, um, and and his drag act Courtney Act is so well spoken, but will listen to Anne's views and absorb them and not retaliate in a negative way. Whereas him offering his side of the conversation, he's just met by a brick wall, and it's it's unfortunate because it does it it it, it doesn't portray her particularly well, and she is becoming. The villain, but then the British but public then likes the villain. But that's, that's the what they, they wanted to do. I I know what you were saying about like I hope they put in people um, because it, it's <coughs> giving a broad.
broader dynamic. But they put in these women in the first three days to create controversy. Mm -hmm. There's no way that's what they wanted. I don't feel like it's that much female empowerment. I feel like it's let's set up a house of women because it's going to lead to a fight. I mean, um, Mary Beard made the same point in Women in Power where she was talking about women being set up for failure. Yeah. And she actually names Theresa May, doesn't she? And everything that's been going wrong with sort of her, her speeches and people uh, sort of intercepting and the lack of kind of power she has in her party. And as much as we're not conservatives, we don't agree with a lot of the shit they do, um, I think that's really interesting that actually the idea that she she may have just been put in that position in order to look to like vote, a idea yeah. to be taken on I mean, by a I, man. Because Boris Johnson, yeah. although he's another knobhead, is always the one who now everyone's listening to because, uh, you know, a man Boris Johnson, and Boris Johnson is, he's, what frustrates me about Boris Johnson, apart from his terrible hair, um, <laughs> is the fact that he, he, he's, buffoonery is the only way you can describe it, masks his, like, highly intelligent side. Because he's obviously, it's scary. Like, it's scary. It, he, he uses this almost, like, clown character to lure you in and yeah. then he stabs you right in because he knew that shit was going to go down after Brexit he bloody knew so it was a lot easier to put or, or allow somebody else to go into power because he's playing the long game that's 100% what he's doing I mean the main takeaway from Theresa May and I, as you said not a Tory you know never a Tory never a Tory <laughs> 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 um <laughs> is that her legacy will be Brexit. That will be what Theresa May is remembered for, and that's so... The two female prime ministers we've had are Thatcher and May, and, you know, people draw similarities between them all the time. It's constant. I'm guilty of it myself, which is kind of unfortunate um, in reality, because even though I don't agree with their views, they are, you know, individuals. Um, What's interesting, talking about the Mary Beard... Book, which is fantastic, um, is is the use of um, Medusa um, that has been used. So Theresa May, Margaret Thatcher, Hillary Clinton, um, and various other women in power have been made up to look like Medusa. You know the Greek um, sort of demon uh, with all the snakes in mm-hmm. her hair. Um, as this sort of real demonization of a woman with power, the power to turn specifically men, if you stick to the original tragedy, into stone. Yeah. And I just think that's so unoriginal. I, I feel I feel like, can we think of some other thing to demonize women in power with? Because it's just getting a little old um, to all use the same one. Yeah. Incidentally, in the original, they're doing all this like she was the worst thing, but the reason that Medusa became Medusa was because she was raped in um, the temple of Athena, and Athena decided to punish her. Um, So there's a sort of dark irony in that fact of how we look at women. Talking about figures like Hillary Clinton, just just even just to look at them, how similar do they look? I was just <laughs> the same thing. And it's literally just this uh, this 
ridiculous idea that in order for a woman to have power and to have authority, they have to make themselves look, even sound, through like vocal coaching to make their voices deeper, more masculine. You have to have this male aura about you because otherwise you don't have any authority. It's that she took she took she took vocal coaching to deepen her her voice, which I do not like Margaret Thatcher at all, not even an iota, but I do almost feel sorry for Mm. her that she felt it was necessary. I mean, I'm sure she did it for her own gain, but the idea that she felt necessary to deepen her voice Mm. um, is kind of disturbing, really. Mm. Um, And that sort of look with the sort of pantsuit and the sort of, you know... I mean, even... Even like slight, even tiny observations, like they've all even got similar haircuts. Like, yeah, it's the short, short like yeah, it's, it's almost like a woman. Yeah, it's almost like a woman with long hair isn't isn't powerful. Like it's almost like you've got to have the look. I mean, and also the queen. But yeah, the, the oh, queen yeah. has got the short bouffanty sort of yeah. Big hair. Always, it, it always fascinates me how um, even the queen who arguably isn't seen particularly... I, I mean, she's powerful, but not in a literal sense. Um, <laughs> yeah. she, 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 no. You know what I mean. Um, <laughs> you wouldn't necessarily go, oh, the queen, she's making all the decisions, decisions right now. <clears throat> but still, when she goes out on these public appearances, it's still the like, masculine like suit jackets and blazer jackets. And I'm like, just let her wear a dress. How she many times? Wear a dress. Why does it have to? Why do you have to look in this certain way where it's the sharp angles and like? And Kate Middleton does it. Also, she's yeah. still got the. Sh- she's got like the sort of sharp, clean cuts. I know she's got longer hair, but and that's not. That's not me saying that it's an unacceptable. It's unacceptable that these women aren't going out dressing in a feminine way. It's just I'm saying why is this expectation that they have to look masculine to look powerful? Why can't men wear? more feminine clothes and still, like, why is there this this idea at all between I'm any of the gender? controversial also, now, though. I'd like to just take the sort of contrarian point of view. <laughs> so sorry. Professional. That was Charlie's phone. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Um, yeah, I would like to, like, just take the contrarian point of view for a second and just say... Although, is it not bad that we're discussing their appearance? Because think I was about, just about because to say. if you think about the Theresa May um, shoes. Oh my god, that was literally the it next was like thing I was a say. week <clears throat> of talking about, about her shoes heels. and how and ugly I just think they were. No one did that to Cameron. Honestly. No one's going to turn around and go, "That was really stupid that he was wearing." And it's partly because, you know... He fucked a pig. (laughs) (laughs) That wasn't where my sentence was going. (laughs) No, I mean, we have to nitpick them because, I and again, I'm being incredibly controversial and I I don't care. With Cameron before, he did so many stupid things. Like, his actions, there was enough to talk about, whereas with Theresa May, quite often, the most controversial thing is her kitten heel. Um, or, or I mean, it shouldn't be because her politics are actually quite controversial. But nobody likes to actually think about politics when they're talking about politics. No one likes it's to think not... about politics when they're talking about women. True. One hundred likes to true. talk about the way they look. Yeah. And how they're presenting themselves. And I like, 
I just don't. That's we're me. all guilty of it. Absolutely. One hundred percent. What I find really interesting about Theresa May is we will look back and she will be Brexit. She will be, you yeah. know, the instigator of that. What I find quite fascinating is at this stage, no one's paying real attention to her um, because of Trump. I think mm. that we're all mm. quite focused on the other side of the pond, you know, and at the moment there's not enough of uh, intensity at looking at what's going on and what policies are. I tell you what we are really guilty of with Trump, and again we're talking about appearance, but everybody is guilty of this, but everyone attacks his small hands, <laughs> and as much as you can argue... He does have small hands. What's, <laughs> what's wrong with having small hands? Because essentially what you're saying... Isn't is it hands, what he's doing, though, with them, like, grabbing uh, people by the I pussy? Mean, yeah, it might not yeah. be the actual hands themselves. It's no, what those, like, those hands are up to that I'm more concerned but about. But we, we do talk about Trump's appearance a lot. I mean, his tan, his... <sighs> Hands, <laughs> his, his hair, his hair, his um. But that's that's our world of celebrity. That's not just like that's not a gender issue no, necessarily. It's not, no, it's not but, and he is also a celebrity playing a politician, which I I, I never understand it because that's the one thing I'm kind of grateful for. I mean, Theresa May, at least she's a politician, mm. not someone that's just. The equivalent would be someone like, genuinely, the equivalent would be someone like Simon Cowell becoming our Prime Minister. Alan Sugar. I mean, Alan Sugar is... Well, I know, but in terms of like, I still wouldn't want him running my country. No, no, no. No. But but I I feel Alan Sugar, to some degree, um, because he is quite literally the equivalent of Donald Trump. They, they, They play the same role celebrity wise like yeah. in the apprentice and yeah. whatever yeah but you can't I compare mean, Alan Sugar because Alan Sugar made his own money you need oh someone yeah true like, Trump, Trump I don't know Trump made his own money from what was it a 10 million pound investment from his father the rest of it's his the rest of it he made for himself with the the, the um, slight cash injection at the beginning um, but yeah it, uh, I can't remember what I was going to say now sorry me. I mean we've got <laughs> off a bit of the the gender issue, but I mean, can I, I just have to say on this how ridiculous that it's become a bit of a trend now that 2020, how many celebrities can you name that are running for presidency that in 2020? Irrit- I can't deal with that. Oh my I God. loved the speech Oprah made at the Golden Globes. Yes, it was brilliant. It was, you know, well written, well thought through, but the idea that they think oh, well, this is the next... And I say yeah. this with the greatest love and respect because it's not my country and I can't I can't say, oh, they're going to do this. But people do get too excited by a good speech. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I don't know. How many times have I opened, like... Um, I mean, this is a terrible example. But I've opened Facebook and it's like, is Oprah going to run for president? Is Kanye going to run for oh. president? And I'm like... Is this real life? Or yeah. 
Well, I just say that Kanye did actually say that at Glastonbury when I was there. Yeah, but it's such a madness. Can I just, I I feel like I've found the perfect person because people say it all the time, which is Jeremy Clarkson. People are like, I'd vote for Jeremy Clarkson for Prime Minister. Why? Which (coughs) disturbs me on multiple levels, but that's the sort of celebrity status we're talking about, in a way. Yeah. Vote for a man who got fired for punching his replacement. Oh no, that's just ridiculous. But it's all just this kind of weird, like we buy into commercialisation now and they're just a product at the end of the day. Like Donald Trump is a product, Donald Trump is a brand and people are much much more likely to to vote or buy into the brand than they are political opinion because we know more about consumerism we're constantly consuming. So when someone can sell something to us, because I think that's what um, almost all politicians lack, and I think is the reason that, unfortunately, Nigel Farage did so well, is they lack a ability to sell. They're not salespeople. Yeah. I think that people that I've met working in retail would do better in politics, because they can sell themselves better. Because... They know how to talk to people and communicate with people, and it's just something that politicians lack. I do find that disturbing, though, that sort of charisma thing, though. I can't I can't deal with that being the reason that I want someone um, in government. And I think that's partly the reason that uh, Corbyn's got such a massive younger following, because he's a little bit like... He can't quite sell himself, but he's he's quite earnest in that. And I think people yeah. might be moving away the from same merit. a slick... In the uh, same merit, yeah. I think that's why he gets a lot of um, criticism as well. Yeah, yeah that is it's kind of it's a double-edged you know, people like he's just people pleasing. I mean, there yeah. is a part of me that thinks I would, I would rather vote for a politician that I feel if I met them on the street, I could have a conversation and they could at least fake listen to me, like. The fact that I feel like if I was ever in conversation with Theresa May, which I bloody hope I'm not, to some degree. I, I mean, would like would, to speak to her. I would just lose my rag. I've not got the patience. I've just not got the patience. <laughs> I'd end up angry like, crying at her. I'd yeah. be like, why are you doing this? But I'd love to but speak it's true, to her. I, just, I, like the, I like the idea of, of somebody that is not robotic and is not cold, but unfortunately, when you're making decisions that because so not a Tory then. No, not a Tory. Am I left wing? Would you say I'm left wing? <laughs> I don't know. I'm a bit left wing. I'm a bit left wing. Um, um. I'm going to bring things back down because I I want to talk about like you you don't you're excluded from this because you haven't enjoyed the wonderful world of Jurassic Park. I think we've reached the end. It's not out. Oh, oh no, it's oh, mine. What are you doing, woman? I'm sorry, it's not. <laughs> I, I thought it had broken. Carry on. Um, Laura Dern in Jurassic Park is my feminist hero. I've watched that. You didn't watch it all the way through. I, I know your attention's <laughs> not that great. I don't watch films. Good. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I just, I love that. I love that sort of thing of how we, uh, and it's not really Laura Dern in Jurassic Park, although she's amazing in it, um, but how we use women in films. Mm. So, like, action films. Um, and, like, a female James Bond. I just picture a female James Bond as wearing ridiculously low-cut tops yeah. Yeah. and prancing around. I mean, as much as I genuinely love her, because I, I think she is actually quite incredible, it would be someone like Margot Robbie, who is... Yeah. I'm probably saying the name wrong, because 
I'm not no. saying. Is it Margot Robbie? Yeah. Um, <laughs> she because she is beautiful, but also I think she's charismatic. So I I think if it was going to be, I'd say I what, think the problem who would is... you want your female James Bond to be? Because mm-hmm. I think I would genuinely say Margot Robbie because I think she is fantastic. And seeing her outside of the film when she's being interviewed, she just seems like a genuine person. And I'd yeah. like her to bring some of that charismatic intelligence to a role like that and it not be just not just that's completely the wrong word but I wouldn't like it to become something where it's just a, a woman being used as a symbol and I feel like she would be able to portray it in a way that wasn't I don't wasn't necessarily like that. think that's down to the actress though I, like, I think that's down to the the production team the director and how and, and I, the I don't and yeah I do not True. I do not buy that even if we did have a female James Bond I I do I don't buy that it would be a, she would be portrayed in a perfectly you powerful what if they did that what if they way. did something what if they did something so what, are you suggesting they do something more radical and and almost I just don't something new yeah something yeah new, absolutely leave James Bond behind absolutely Aston Luego the thing I, is, as yeah. well, it's like, uh, everyone knows my obsession uh, with Angelina Jolie. And I, um, I'm, I am upset. Image. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> um, I've got like a real obsession with her. I think she's incredible. Um, and she's brilliant in a lot of action films. Yeah. But the thing is, it, is that it's so sexualized and none of the Bonds have been sexualised in that way. The Bond girls are. Yeah. So the idea of turning that on its head and not being... Um, I wouldn't have Angelina J- I mean, I'm obsessed with her, but she, I don't think she'd be a great Bond. I, I think but someone like... What about, like, Gwendolyn Christie? Mm. You know, Brienne from Game of Thrones? Yeah. yeah she'd be actually... really good. She'd be an intelligent, the... strong person, but not necessarily the a James is, Bond. You, you say James Bond's not been sexualised, but I'm... Daniel Craig, I've never seen it because I don't watch films. Um, but Daniel Craig coming out of the sea. Like, yeah, but that's an accident. That, that was a genuine accident on oh, really? filming. It wasn't. It wasn't supposed to be like that. It just happened that he was supposed to come out of the sea, and he made it. And the reason it sexualizes is because it's a harken back to Ursula Andress, who was um, the Jane, the Bond girl that did the exact same thing. It's a really weird feeling because he's sexualized in the same way the women are, the way that you view the man's body is similar to how you would pan up a woman's body, mm. um, cinematically speaking. I mean... I just think... I think it's pandering. I think the idea that they've turned around and said, we could have a female James Bond, I think that's... Just think of something new. Yeah. Let it go, because yeah. actually, James Bond is outdated. Yeah. And the, when... And, the ridic- and you won't have seen it, but um, when they said, about, we're going to have an older Bond girl, it's going to be amazing. She's the same age as Daniel Craig, and she's on for, oh, what is it, I think she gets five minutes airtime or something, mm. and the rest of it is still a younger actress as the main Bond girl. Mm. So the fact that they're like, this is groundbreaking, and to be fair, Daniel Craig said, it isn't that groundbreaking, she's the same age, she's age appropriate, um, but the sort of, Fury and things that came from that. Just mm. this is misplaced. Mm. Don't yeah, like I, films anyway. Yeah, <laughs> I genuinely think that's what needs to happen because I just don't think, and I don't think in any way. I mean, even if you look at, I mean, it wasn't the last film. What was the film before? I don't know. Skyfall. Skyfall. Money Penny. 
So again, it was a big, uh, this big thing like, oh my god, they've really changed Money Penny. She's out on the field now. Like she's not sat behind a desk just flirting with James Bond anymore. She does flirt with James Bond in Skyfall, and also she's the one who fucks up. So, and yeah. she's back behind and the desk by the end. Up, yeah, because she's fucked up. So and back also Dench. Dench dies. Yeah, Dench dies. And is replaced by a man. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. I've not seen it. It was like two years ago. ago. I've got no sympathy. Because Judy Dench. And Judy Dench is being replaced by a man before she dies because she's replaced by Ray Fiennes because she's fucked up. So there's two major fuck ups in Skyfall. Made by women. Made by women. And fixed. By men, <laughs> but let's try and let's try and be positive. Let's end on a on a positive. Give us a positive, Ashley. Positive what? Women, feminism. Oh. Like what? What? Let's not end it on a oh bond note. Let's try and be like <laughs> yeah, women. Okay. No, no. Also, can I just <laughs> I just want to point out. Hard. I want to point out that as much as this podcast um, was about feminism and women. We are three women sat in bed together, and this podcast probably hasn't passed the Bechdel test because we have <laughs> definitely talked about men and not yeah, even in absolutely. the exciting way mm-hmm. um, for a good portion of the time. Uh, That's unfortunate. That is unfortunate. Maybe we'll just edit all of that out and, yeah. then, <laughs> and have feminism, <laughs> women, <laughs> and it will only be about Theresa May's shoes. <laughs> I'm going to think of something positive. Positive. Well, I'm going to say something positive. Go on. You start the positive I'll vibes. start the positive. I'm going to start on like quite a dis- domestic level, I feel. Um, I'm positive about women because we've got our little feminist theatre company, Too Many Pillows. <laughs> this is our first podcast. We've got through it without needing any assistance outside of our room. Just the three of us have done this. Just the three of us. Yeah, we've got loads of things coming up which we've all managed. Oh, I'll tell you what I'm positive about. The fact that I've managed to sit here for fifty minutes which will be edited <laughs> down probably, but fifty minutes I've been sat still. My bum has gone I'm a bit sat, numb. Gee, I'm really warm as well. Like <laughs> I don't know how many of these I'm gonna be able to do properly under the duvet. Um <laughs> <Stroy> my life. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Um and we've managed to convince more people to get into bed with us, which I'm positive about I mean, for these podcasts. So yeah. we've got loads of like really nice treats coming up. Um we've got loads of people. Who, who want to come? What are you positive about, Charlie? Oh, my God. I'm positive. We haven't spoken about... Anyway. Well, I'm positive about a book that I bought. They can't, they can't see it. She's emotional. <laughs> I'd really like everyone to be able to see how beautifully Charlie just motioned to her book and presented it to the microphone. Um, yeah. It was really lovely. She did a real flourish. <laughs> Um, but yeah, okay. tell us about the book Basically, that we can't see. It's called Good Night Stories for Rebel Girls, and it turns uh, real life stories of a hundred extraordinary women into a uh, mini biography kind of uh, bedtime stories. So it's great because it talks about people from years ago, people from now, all over the world. All the illustrations in it are by female artists and. 
I personally feel this is the way forward. Yeah. How, uh, so yeah, if you get every if you school should get have a chance one. to have a yeah. look. Yeah, I mean that's the sort of thing. And that you know, the great thing is as well. System. Yeah, the great thing is as well is things like this should be read to little boys. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like all children just need to start appreciating that. Bedtime stories don't always have to be about a princess who gets saved by a prince. No. And I think this is just a fantastic way of starting that off. So hopefully that starts a nice little chain reaction. I mean, in saying that, our next show is about political princesses. Um, <laughs> yeah. Not our next podcast, but our next show coming out. So um, we do like a princess, but they have to be doing a little bit more. Yeah. Than just waiting for a man to come and save them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't need a man. No. I don't need no man. I ain't got no man. I don't, I don't need <laughs> <laughs> what, Nor do I need. We've got each other. That's enough. Forever. <laughs> oh, that's a long time. <laughs> I can't sit through that. <laughs> Although, I am really proud of you. That's, that's just incredible. <laughs> uh, you're just watching the time tick past now. <laughs> it's a little unnerving. I've got a little bit what was your too. What was your positive thing? I'm just about me and being able to sit still for 53 minutes now. It's not really about feminism. Okay, let me um, have a think. I'll have a think. Because I want this to be a, like a nice celebration and sort of a good way to start. Women's March. Who spoke of the uh, Women's, Women's March, March that made you positive? Um, um, Emily Pankhurst's great, great granddaughter um, spoke and that that was moving, genuinely. Yeah. Um, I mean, it... it it, as much as the rally was a fantastic experience, it did, to some degree, sadden me deeply that women... Um, this isn't positive at all! <laughs> it's a hundred years on, and Come rallies on like this are still necessary. Right, what is my, my, my yeah. um, positive thing? Yeah, it, no, that is sad, but the fact that people can, we're quite lucky. I think that's something positive to take away from. It's a little bit selfish, but... We're lucky we can assemble and rally, whereas in some countries, yeah, um, at least we've got that platform. Yeah. Um, I'm going to say something that I'm positive about, which is very unlike me, because if you don't know me, I'm a massive technophobe. But I am positive of how we can use social media um, to give more people more women a voice that they would never have had access to before it's meant yeah. that people can speak out that's why me too and time's up have become such a thing is because it's just allowing more people to go this is my experience as well this is you know this is me let's all try and um yeah let's sort of band together and that's given a real sense of almost community and i'm i'm really positive that we can you know Trolls and clickbait aside, can use it as a lovely platform. I I tell you what, my other thing I'm going to take away from my from my week. Can we do this every week? We talk about the positive thing we've taken away from our week because it's just nice. It's a lot of negativity in the world, and we'll talk positive. If we do this weekly, but can we stop? Can we stop saying positive though? Just be like, I don't know. Good. This is it's the takeaway. This is the takeaway, which we had one off earlier. Um, <laughs> Um, a literal literal takeaway a literal takeaway no um, in our in my um, exam this week I was genuinely um, I'm not going to name her but there was a a girl who I did a a piece about nudity with um, about a year ago and um, this 
Uh, and she wasn't particularly comfortable with it, but she pushed herself and she she got nude. Because I think nude team performance is something that is incredibly interesting because we are all naked under our clothes. Um, and she she decided that her piece was she was going to be nude, and she just absolutely no inhibitions took her clothes off straight away. And it was it was genuinely it it genuinely made me a little bit emotional because I thought this is someone who a year ago didn't want to get her clothes off in front of three other people, let alone 30 other people. And um, I think the fact that at least that one person um, has become comfortable means that we're on, a, we're, we're on a step forward. We're going forward. So hopefully one day we'll all be naked. All the stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, there we go. Zero waste. It's truly zero waste way of living. Bugger off the clothes. Be great. Anyway, on that All note... Alright, yeah, that's a good <laughs> note to finish on. Yeah. So, uh, maybe we'll start doing, I don't know, Naked Thursdays. That doesn't really rhyme, but... <laughs> one day a week. Like like with vegetarianism, start with one day a week. <laughs> I mean, I've been vegging <laughs> my entire life, so... Yeah, right. <laughs> and you've been naked your entire life. Pretty so. much. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, well, um, goodbye everyone. Goodbye. Stay excellent. It's been Thanks if you've made it this far. Genuinely. <laughs>